Welcome to the Let It Bleed podcast, a place where you can hear the liquor-fueled ramblings of two narcissistic wizards who conjure the essence of inspirational people every week and bring it straight to you. <laughs> I just thought you plan on doing that. Started Imagine. off all like trippy. Oh, God. Motherfucker. And now for the wizards themselves, David Amaya and Phil Arroyo. You know, Phil, I'm starting to think that you work for the CIA or some government cover-up thing because you just had to censor me when I was reading off this uh, really informative declaration of aliens right now. Well, you know, I, I think what actually was happening was that I was feeling self-conscious that this is the third fucking take that we have tried <laughs> to get this show right because, you know, we've got a thing like it should start good. If it starts out weird, that's just it's going to be it's going to be weird as fuck. Oh, fuck. If it's and right, then I what's fucked wrong? up the first one. <laughs> And then when you messed up the reading of that, I was like, now's my time to make it even feel good. And you know what? They say third time is a charm. So we're here. Who's the energy's they? right. Huh? Who is this they? This feels good. Huh? They. Well, they. I mean. The aliens? Yeah, the aliens. Ah, you know, gotcha. the aliens from this uh, manuscript that you were just reading here. Yeah. And uh, so, dude, we're back. What would the aliens think about what's going on in the world right now? Dude, the aliens would be like, good fucking luck. We are out of here. There ain't nothing of value on this planet for us to mine here. Mm. Except for these sweet, sweet souls are of their, you know, just taking their leader back, who they sent here originally. So all we would lose is Alex Jones. That's basically <laughs> all that would happen if the aliens were to invade. They'd I be think like, he hey, lost we... himself already. Yeah, no, we just not like, yo, your Uber's here. And then psh, he's gone. Wow. And that is the state of the planet today. Man, the planet is... So fucked, dude. That actually, like, I feel like this is almost cryptic because that has transitioned me into what I think are some important shit. Because I'm trying something new this week. I tried clipping out things, tweets, articles, shit that I'm reading, shit that just, you know, interests me for that week and, like, you know, inspires me and shit like that. Started clipping them out and saving shit. And so today, before you got here, I actually put some effort into the show for once. And I actually, like, wrote some shit down to talk about it. Just in case we wanted to meander, because the number one thing I've been talking about this week is climate change. So, bam, planet, sh good setup. Well, pitter Even patter. I have not told you any of this yet. Let's get at her. Yeah, dude. Well, yeah, I mean, we have been fuck. We've been we've been on for a while, and last week we had a fucking great episode talking with, talking with Blair. That yep. shit was dope. But we haven't like gotten to to you know really catch up like that. To, we haven't gotten to to talk. Just sit to down. Jump and talk back like into the madness. Yeah, because there's been. A bunch, a bunch that we've missed. But yeah, man. So, I mean, anything you want to talk about before I dive into all my shit right here? No, man. I mean, I'm I'm all ears right now. I, okay. I'm kind of curious as to what you got to say. Well, I'm wondering, did you did you catch uh, the Rogan this week with uh, David Wallace Wells? No, I have only seen the the fucking Jones and David Lee Roth, but I couldn't finish the David Lee Roth one. Oh man, it was it was weird. Anyways. Yeah, I, ne I never finished the Alex Jones one either. And those are actually the only two I yeah, listened to in like a long time. That's about four and a half hours or some shit like that. It's a long ass we time. We finished the last of it yesterday uh, at Kevin's place. Oh, okay. And it just was redundant. It was just back and forth. Just... It just does. It does seem like a lot of the same shit, you know? Well, yeah. It, I mean, well, the, the end of it, toward, I mean, <sighs> Eddie Bravo just annoys me. He does. He's obnoxious. He just, Some of the characters that he has on and around that shit are obnoxious. Like, yeah. Remember when Red Band was like on every episode for like a year? No, I don't recall. But oh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't seen them all. There's so many that I have missed because you're like you said, I, I haven't uh, 
been keeping up with them. I haven't been listening to that many podcasts other than ours, of course. Yeah, Ooh, nice. That was cute. That was, he- pick, that was healthy. That? Oh, it did. Okay, good. That's what's wrong with the world right there. That is exactly what's wrong with the world, dude. <laughs> Too much gas. Oh, man. Too you know, much gas. That would have the... segued into my other, uh, one of my other topics that I wanted to talk about today, which is Global rampant actual, uh, you know, criminal pedophilia rings oh. that implicate a lot of the people who are the ones who use people like Alex Jones to whip everybody up into a frenzy over fake shit that doesn't exist, like Pizzagate, when in fact the people that they worship as the heroes of their thing have now been implicated in multiple uh you know human trafficking rings like that isn't but, that the way it always works though i'm trying to notice a pattern to where like you know the Infowars people trump especially if he's accusing somebody of doing some shit he's probably done that shit so what's he accusing people of right now or what's the newest stuff well you know there <laughs> The most fun part of this, we'll get to the the climate change shit is fucking darker than this, surprisingly. So I will save that for a little bit later on. But, you know, this week we saw that there was a, uh, a okay, let me take this one step back. You know, the owner of the Patriots was arrested for uh, soliciting prostitutes at one of those uh, rub and tugs in Florida. I heard like about that. Like two weeks ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, the owner of that massage parlor, actually, it came out and somebody's like, hey, wait a minute. Isn't that her smiling, taking a selfie with Trump at a private Super Bowl party this year or from the yeah, from this year? And it was like, oh, shit. And people started fucking digging into it. And oh, look at that. looks like a uh, here's the headline that I, that I pulled for this one. A Florida massage parlor owner has been selling Chinese execs access to Trump at Mar-a-Lago. So she has been deeply in there. Now there are pictures surfacing of her with all of these you know, top dogs of the Re- Republican Party senators and congressmen and the president himself and this lady owned a you know series of shops that has now been taken down in a human trafficking ring and she was using her close proximity to these people to sell access to wealthy chinese uh you know businessmen and people within the chinese government Mm. to actually sell access to these people from there so it's like, okay. Sell uh, access. What do you mean by that? Like sell them, like they can get special privileges here or like. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, private time to speak with them and stuff like that outside of, you know, official foreign dignitary relationships and stuff like that. So setting up a back channel, uh, you know, presumably with the, uh, the purpose of enriching themselves, you know, Sure. Through the government, through unofficial means. So no money, it's just power. Just like straight up. Oh no, there's there's money for everybody involved usually. And it's like, hey, you want to take a meeting with these, you know. Uh, what I mean uh, with the like, the, 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 the people that are like using or at least like uh, taking advantage of the prostitution, they're not paying for it. They're paying for it with like, you know, other favors and stuff. Like oh, they, they're not, it's not like a money thing. I mean, I don't know about that. Nothing, nothing implies that those two things are, you know, specifically related like that. Mm-hmm. But you've got to imagine that if you are going to a prostitution ring, and the prostitution ring is kind of secretly shadow organized by the Chinese government, and they would be able to have that kind of dirt on you, and then use that as blackmail to leverage, uh, you know, leverage your position of power into something you know beneficial for China. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a problem, you know. So if something is, you know, beneficial to China and they want to say, hey, 
well, how about we, you know, or they're doing something that China doesn't like, you know, how about we, you know, talk about this or we have photos or we have pictures. We have all kinds of things like that. You know, this is the kind of stuff that has actually been the central problem of this administration and this presidency is that there is so much dirt on all of these people that they are kind of forced to keep going. You know, it's it's the whole reason you know, Russia happened. They have dirt on the president and a lot of people in Congress and all these people, you know, they're they're leveraging that to get them to act in a way that is beneficial to them. You know, that that literally explains it. There is a quid pro quo is what they call it. Like this is the like they want this and like that's why, you know, they're doing this thing, but they're not saying that's why they're doing it, you know. So that's that's been a fun story. And that has uh there's a, there's a weird uh what do they call it? Uh, shout and frown I've had just like, oh, you motherfuckers. Like, it is kind of satisfying to see all of the worst people are suddenly showing up with this lady and being not explicitly implicated in any of the crimes that were going on around that. But there's a lot of things that you can kind of deduce from that kind of shit. You know, a lot of it is alleged. Not all of it's officially out there. But it's definitely something of note that I think people should pay attention to. And in the avalanche of just awful shit that's been going on, I say this week, but like every week, really, uh, you know, some of these things kind of get lost in the fray. And that's that's something that I wanted to, you know, just make sure they didn't get lost there. Right. And especially because I have, I live this shit. It is unhealthy. It's bad for me. <laughs> and that's why it is so much fun for me to spread this unhealthy knowledge to everybody around here <laughs> on this goddamn show. Because some of this shit, like, you know, talking about uh, pedophilia specifically, this led me on to talk about something that I don't think I've talked about before, which is the relationship of our Secretary of Labor, Alex Acosta, who was a Trump appointee. Um, he, it, and I, we didn't talk about this when it really broke uh, maybe a month or two ago. It just, everything has felt like a thousand years since, you know, every month has felt like that. But, um, you know, he, it, it came out that there is a dude, this guy, Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein, who, when Alex Acosta was the U.S. attorney for Southern Florida, approved a non-prosecution agreement for him uh, for, you know, trafficking allegedly hundreds of underage girls hmm. to giant sex parties that many celebrities, rich, you know, famous people, people in the, you know, billionaire elite would attend, including President Donald Trump. And uh, where, you know, one of the features is, you know, underage girls that were there that were you know, there for, for human trafficking kind of reasons. Just some really awful shit that I don't want to, like, get into the details of. But this is something that I can't, it, it just, it endlessly frustrates me that so much of the talking points of the, the, the talk radio people, the Rush Limbaugh's, the Alex Joneses and shit like that, are, you know, he, he's out there saying there's inter, interdimensional child molesters are out there working for Hillary Clinton and doing all this shit. And then, you know, when so much of that turns out to be bunk, and then you realize that his, you know, his God, Donald Trump, is out here enabling and empowering and a piece of an actual cabal of people that is actually provably criminally in court has been convicted of this shit and just silence, nothing, you know, there's that, that gets thrown around because it's probably 
the worst thing that you can do as a person, you know, pedophilia, that kind of thing. Sure. Child rape. And that's, they accuse so many people of doing that, you know, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and all these people, you know, and there's an upsetting amount of times where shit like that is real, you know, Spacey and all these things that keep coming out. But like, they are part of that same thing. Right. And then their biggest weapon is accusing people of doing some shit that they already did. And it is so frustrating to see just nobody who is a big fan of the president, people, you know, these evangelical Christians who can see these ties, this news is out there, and they are unwavering in that. When six months ago, or, you know, a couple years ago, when they thought it was Hillary Clinton, who they were told is running a giant, you know, underground uh, sex ring of kids, they were up and on. They were ready to revolt, you know, as a militia-style thing and take down the government. And, you know, they're sending pipe bombs to people, like the U.S. Coast Guard uh, officer yeah. who was hoarding weapons and had a plan to assassinate most of the uh, heads of the Democratic Party and media folks. And that story lasted maybe a day or two in the news before it got cycled out for something else. Like, Right. Well, it's kind of a, an interesting thing because it seems to be just like everything else, whether it's pedophilia or just about anything, cognitive dissonance right now in this country or this world is just out of control mm. where, you know, people have chosen a side and they are not going to listen to anything or, you know, uh, pay attention to any evidence that, you know, supports something that goes against whatever they believe or feel strongly about. And we're seeing that in many more ways than just the presidency as oh, well. Yeah. You know, right now with the whole Michael Jackson thing, with the yeah. whole leaving Neverland. I mean, that's actually a really fucking... I have not seen it yet. Um, I don't know that I want to see it. But I will admit that there's a part of me that, you know, wants to say that, yeah, dude, like this whole time, like, I think we all knew... And just didn't want to admit it. And it's going to be really hard for people, especially with that one, because he was such an iconic and so like such a big thing in their lives to like accept like what's being brought out about him, you know, and, and, and really irreplaceable. You know, this is the most challenging one for me where it's, you know, and I think all of us can experience this and that like, OK, in certain things like like I can live without hearing r kelly again right as much as a as a fan of him as i was i thought his music was good like i can you know i can easily imagine a world of myself where i actively boycott r kelly shit mm -hmm. because fuck that monster you should not get a you know a, a, a one you know any percentage of a penny from any stream that i ever fucking listened to this guy you know yeah and he's just blatantly but michael uh, like that's manipulative and everything just you could see it in every bit of a million and, and honestly yeah there, there there is a level of malevolence a fucking straight Evil, evil in that man's heart, which absolutely exists in Michael. Yeah, but there, there was there was something sick in like the the sadistic joy that he took in inflicting the pain, which I guess you could probably also say for a lot of them. But it, you know, it, maybe I'm doing it right now. Maybe maybe I'm characterizing him in a, in a worse well, way. Well, it's interesting because you have to observe that know. it's different, you know. But it's still it, it is in a way justifying what they're doing when it's still completely wrong because of the fact that, yeah, you don't want it to be true. You know, you don't want it to be, you know, you, Michael Jackson, that, that's like the hardest fucking thing. It's like what you grew up with, mm -hmm. but, and what you, you know, idolized and, and music wise, it's like, you know, you 
love his music still. And there's, so when, there's no other Michael Jackson. Yeah. There's nobody that comes and close, so really. you know when you listen to it you're gonna be, now when you listen to it you're gonna have to say you're gonna have to make the choice and say hey well fuck you know do i really want to support this person's music even though it's you know it's becoming more and more of an argument for like we should no longer be separating the art from the person but i think that that varies i do think that varies if it's something that has to do with you know this like child pornography or i mean uh pedophilia or anything mm -hmm. murder anything like that rape you know that's that's one thing but if it's somebody like kanye west who's just a fucking idiot you know and just that, says yeah. stupid shit you know that's different because i will say i don't give a shit i like his music i don't give a fuck what he says and i, I think that i'm justified in saying that yeah. you know i agree with that yeah so, yeah so of course do you want to come here on what Are I don't. They, yeah, are the people that are the so like for if that if, so if that if that wasn't if that wasn't picked up on the mic? What about all the people that that you know worked on this stuff and and wrote the music and were actually probably actively a part of you know this this team that empowered and enabled him? Like, yeah, you're. That's a good point. Where do we draw the line? But did they know what he was doing at Neverland Ranch? I mean, is that a, I, I, mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But I mean, there's no like, I don't. There's nothing I in the documentary that I think explicitly. Um, you know, wraps anybody else into this, but there's no way that like, like people knew though, at least people on his team knew. And if we've all known, you know, quote unquote, not the details and things like that, had suspicions. This has been out there for a very long time. It's not the first time this has come out. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a willful ignorance that I think a lot of us, myself included, probably myself, especially, you know, that we've all kind of just, turn the blind eye towards like how culpable are we and how culpable are the people around him? Yeah. That's, that's a good question. I, I, I think, you know, Michael Jackson doesn't book the hotel rooms for the kids' parents. So when they keep getting booked in rooms farther and farther away from Michael's room, so that the parents are suddenly across a complex and the kids are staying with him in their room, like all the people were enabling this behavior. You know, there were people who worked at Neverland Ranch. Though he did his best to keep everybody away from him, keep keep things private, there are absolute people who who kind of enabled this. And like Michael Jackson was an entire industry to himself, you know. Like there are people's livelihoods and jobs and shit like that. Like you know, there was all this shit. The most haunting part about that shit is that you can see the parents of the kids who they talk to. And talk about their experience. That's what I was going to bring up right now. Like, is, aren't they in some way responsible themselves for allowing oh, it to happen? 100%. And you watch the documentary and it's hard not to lay a lot of the blame on them, you know. But also, you know, we can in a way see the, you know, how blinded by the celebrity and the sudden going from living a very normal middle-class, unremarkable life in Australia to suddenly being mega pop stars and just inundated with and being surrounded by celebrity and everything being all these other aspects of it being so good, like how they were hypnotized by that, you know, and how they, they knew they had to, they, they know, they knew they knew some part of them. So knew, the parents but didn't were from, the families believe. were from, from Australia, you're saying? 
Uh, at least one of them was. Okay. Uh, they were they were from all over. They they it follows I two main kids. I think one was from Australia and one was. Uh, I don't recall the other one, but it's yeah no it's it's was Macaulay Culkin in that video or the movie? No, I I no no no. I feel like we 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 missed like the last. It's like a two part series. Huh. I don't think we watched the second uh like half of it. But no, I don't believe he he makes a uh, appearance in that. Got it. And there's a lot of people that have come out and said like, hey, well, you know, he didn't, he didn't molest me, you know, like Macaulay Culkin and uh, uh, what's his name? One of the Corys. And it's like, okay, yeah, but like the the, the point that people brought up is like, yeah, they're, they're peers too, you know? And actually, I fully believe that there's probably a lot of like, there was a part of Michael Jackson that actually did believe a lot of this stuff. And, you know, for a while, I think that was something that I told myself as well, that like, okay, like, Michael Jackson was chemically castrated by Joe Jackson and was abused his whole life, you know, and, you know, a, an arrested development at that age, to me, I wanted to believe that that was plausible, you know? What do you mean he was chemically castrated? He was like, he chemically induced him to where he wasn't able to like fuck or what? And, and hit puberty. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What? That's how his voice and everything was so high. What the fuck? And it it, it, it had to have fucked with his brain. Too. I had no idea about that. Yeah. Joe, like that was a, a theory that I had read like, uh, you know, a long time ago. That is now proven. And yeah. And then, uh, uh, you know, on Joe, on Joe Jackson's deathbed or shortly around his death, like that came out like, okay, yeah, Joe Jackson actually did chemically castrate Michael so that he could continue his like career beyond just his adolescence because if he was growing up and growing out of him being able to actually sing and and move like that and sing in that voice if he were to hit puberty and lose his voice like that that was it and so that fucking monster like <laughs> resorted to that shit That's which ruined crazy. him you know in so many ways for his entire life as would it's it's fucking hard enough being a kid who becomes a superstar you know we've seen that story a thousand times over now you're going to actually fuck with his brain chemistry and his, you know, his ability to make hormones and have a normal life. Yeah. Yeah. Some horrible shit came from that, you know? You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. There's, there's been a lot of fucking horrifying things yesterday. And I think, but I think it is, it has inspired a difficult yet important conversation, you know, it, it, you know, in me especially too. I'm just like, damn. I have a real hard time seeing myself being able to actually boycott, you know, Michael Jackson's music. Right. That's a tough decision. I don't even want to say that I'm going to because I, I, I don't know. That's tough. And then it seems so silly. Like, fuck, he hurt so many people. Like, and it's, it's just music, but you know, it's, it's important to some people, man. And, and we brought up a good point in the break that like, what about all the people who, who were actually, you know, around him that made this shit? What about, you know, Quincy Jones, who's producing music and things like that. And it's it's not just Michael, too. So there there is an aspect of like not not condemning work that isn't, you know, just exclusively his either. Right. And so I mean it's it's But has there been any sort of like proof whatsoever that, you know, there was collusion in that or like that there was, you know There's been nothing to suggest that, you know, somebody like Sorry, Quincy, but somebody like Quincy Jones knew anything about that. Right. Know? I had to keep using 
his name because sure he's a goddamn legend i mean the people it would make more sense like if it was the people who like his agents and uh, people who those are the people like the the people that are really close to him but like somebody who's quincy jones who you know works with him in the studio Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't know that so i think it's also important not to just kind of like jump to or assume that people everybody that's worked with them musically would be like that i wonder what i do wonder what they think about it though and like anybody like paul mccartney or quincy jones or anybody who's ever like done anything with him like what would they say like would they denounce their own music that they made with them would they denounce their own song Uh, probably not and and should they i i don't know you know this is something that like something that you know it was easy for me to believe and, and 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 feel passionate about when it's you know like oh you know fuck bill cosby and his you know body of work because he's a goddamn monster let's throw it out you know it's it's easier it's not easier but it's easy to say you know fucker kelly and do that but now that i'm faced with one that's so real i'm just like oh maybe i'm a huge hypocrite maybe i don't know i don't know if i can everybody's got their their limit i guess you know or, or this thing that really that really just uh you have a soft spot for yeah yeah we do except for our own shortcomings and 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 maybe be uh it's also important to to note that, you know, some things they're really just it's not as easy as you think to make a decision. Like a lot of people say that you should be, but you should. But there's a lot of things that, you know, it's it's OK to say, well, I don't know. And not to like dismiss it, but, you know, it's to not just jump right away and be like, hey, like, fuck that. Fuck this. Because the more I find out about stuff like I hear, it's a lot of hearsay. So I hear from somebody this, I hear from somebody that. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, it gets proven that, oh, well, that didn't actually happen mm-hmm. or this actually isn't true. And so, you know, the fact that I'm not there and we live in an age where, you know, fucking fake news and all kinds of crap is all over the place. And you're just like, yeah. like I don't know what to believe anymore unless I'm going to research and fact check like every single thing that comes up, you know five times over and so it, it's almost like not to say that i'm dismissing it but you i mean yeah you kind of do you're kind of like well what what the fuck i don't that it sucks but there are so many other things in my particular life that i need to pay attention to that that particular issue that doesn't directly concern me mm-hmm. even though it does concern society as a whole yeah and it's it's important to at some point think about it you know but in like the heat of the moment, you know, it's, it's not, it's good not to go and be a fucking, uh, um, Randy Marsh and just fucking, you know, uh, yeah. just like jump on the fucking the hate train or something for something or, or, you know, the bandwagon for something else. Yeah. It, it's, you know, not popping off over every little thing, not being super easy to jump to the conclusion. Yeah. Uh, but you know, at a certain point too, it, that this is the, the struggle and, and fuck, Rupert Murdoch forever and Roger Ells in particular because they've they've injected this idea into the culture that is question that is questioning and mudding the waters for everything um that I mean everything you know we we don't trust sources we can't trust anything because there are people out there who actually are deliberately out there to misinform you know and when it's been proven over and over again it makes it so much easier for people to say okay this is what I believe. And okay, this version of facts that I've been presented suits my worldview. So I'm going to go with that. And the rest is fake news, you know, confirmation bias. Exactly. All of us do it. There's nobody that is not there. I fucking went through a bout of this myself, actually, while we were on a break uh, with, uh, with Jesse Smollett, 
You know, are you familiar with that story? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Jesse Smollett, like I... And then there's... and Because that's a good point. That is a good point because there is, you know, even on the left side, even though like as a whole, you can agree with, you know, everything that progressively that, you know, they stand for, but you can't deny that there is still a confirmation bias just oh. as much as there is with you know people not just as much maybe but you know there definitely is and that's a perfect example because yeah. i even saw people that went and they were posting articles to say that it was a hoax that it was a hoax you know mm-hmm. that it you know that it was actually no they're just they they started doing the whole alex jones thing and they say well that's what they want you to think that's what they're trying to do right now that's what they mm-hmm. well, who is they what do you mean they're you know they they've got this guy and and they refuse to believe or accept that like that he actually could fake that that there that there are liberal people at least are whether they really are that way that they stand on this side that you know are capable of being monsters. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, and, and one of the biggest things that I you know have been you know feeling very strongly about is making sure that victims should be believed because the rate of people faking things like Jesse Smollett is so insanely low compared to the amount of times things actually happen now apply that to just about you know anything most specifically it's it's this this fucking debate which i can't believe is debate over rape versus false uh, you know false allegations of rape as if they're both two equal sides and i think that's fucking preposterous and not saying that like you know falsely accusing somebody of some shit or or uh, you know uh, orchestrating some shit like like Jesse Smollett did is anything good or like like that's that's fucking horrible. But you know, I I think it is. You know, I'm not. I'm not ashamed that I jumped to his defense and said this is fucking awful and a sign of things being terrible in this country. And when that ends up being fake, you know, I feel. It's hard the, not to believe that it was... The knee-jerk reaction is is embarrassment and just like, holy shit, how could you do this? But now, okay, he's been exposed for what he is and fuck him. Mm-hmm. Fuck him for setting everything back farther. And using a you know? movement to fucking, you know, benefit himself. And, and, and it, what's what's crazy is that he actually was doing good work. Like he actually was an activist and actually doing the real work before this. He got caught up. That was doing it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I mean, we're fans of it. We we had tickets to his show. Like, oh, so what? What does he do? I, I'm he's not a, familiar. He's, a, he's like an R and B singer who, but he's also one of the stars of the show Empire. Okay, I knew he was on the show, but so he's an actual. He's got his own music. He career. actually is. A, he actually is a musical artist, and his his music is actually good. Do you, you think know? it's gonna still go on strong? Or do you think? Oh it's no, gonna, hell yeah. no! Yeah. I think anybody who, who buys a ticket to his show is you, you should be embarrassed for yourself because that's like I don't know, man. There's the Peahive right now too, bro. There's still people that are out there fucking supporting R. Kelly. <laughs> the beehive. <laughs> you haven't heard that? I, I saw that in a meme today. It was oh, funny that shit. they called the, the supporters of R. Kelly the beehive. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. <laughs> ah, man. And, oh, it's going to be hard to not make that the goddamn episode title. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that's, that's you know, it, it's difficult. It, there's There's been a lot of like, uh, you know, I think it's important because we need to recognize when we are also, you know, hypocrites and we, and we, we need to be self-police too, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that like, 
that what we're doing and, and constantly reevaluate the way that we think about things and the way that, you know, this, this righteous fight that everybody's on, nobody more, you know, self-indulgent and about that kind of shit than myself included yeah. that, you know, we take a second to just make sure that the confirmation bias isn't too strong or that we're not letting some shit go that should actually be reevaluated. You know, mm-hmm. we are human after all. We are. We are human. I think it's important to acknowledge our own fucking shortcomings. And in mine, you know, that Neverland documentary, that's maybe had to rethink some shit. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm wrong. I can be wrong. I absolutely have the capacity to be wrong. I've been wrong on the show before and I will be wrong again. Yeah. You know, that's also important to, to note, too, as I've said before in other episodes, you know, I might say something or we might say something here in one episode and have a particular view and it might come out that we've changed our mind. And as long as we acknowledge that we've changed our mind and not act like we've always taken that stance, you know, the corrected stance, you know, because that is an important thing. I mean, I think if you don't have circumstances like that that you can point out, then you're not really growing as a person. You know, if you don't have very cringeworthy moments in your life, if you, if you don't have if you don't look back in photos from like five or six years ago and just absolutely cringe at the style that you had or. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh, man. I got too excited. I wrote that down, and then I fucking hit pause for a second. Uh, I just missed like two words of that. Okay. I, I, I'm sorry. Okay. So what okay. did it leave off at? Uh, if, you, if, you, if you don't cringe, you're yeah. not growing. You know, if you're not looking at old photos, and I that made me laugh because I can think of some fucking terrible photos of myself. It's true. On my MySpace when I was 14 that I have buried on the internet forever. Yeah. Burn them with fire. I drilled holes through my old hard drive. Don't I'm looking I'm seeing how much you're enjoying this on the couch over there. Don't even think about trying to find that shit. Oh man. No, I, I even just from a couple of years ago. It's funny how fast things go in your life and and time flies because you're just like you you get to a point where you're like, yeah, you know, you you've se- you're seasoned and you've seen it all, you've done it all and you've you've found you've already been at this state that you've come to. But you look back just a couple of years ago and you're like, man, I was such a fucking noob at this or I was such a fucking weenie. Like I look mm-hmm. at the way I was dressed or the way I acted and you just know that you're going to do that again in five years. Look back at now and you're just like, Ugh. And, and I think that that's an important thing that, you know, you should be able to do because that means you're growing simply like yeah. that t- you're growing and you're you're getting wiser, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. That's I think, the goal. I think I think one day this will be. This show will be its own vessel for our own, you know, our own way to measure growth. And probably, you know, there will be more than a few times where we could probably look back at episodes already and be like, oh, fuck. Well, that's why people ask me, do you, you know, they they assume that I listen to all the episodes and I'm like, no, man, I actually lived it. I talked it. And to me, it was a conversation. I kind of don't want to go back because then I become... Not right away, anyways. I know that later mm-hmm. on we'll go back, and th- that it'll serve that exact purpose that we were just discussing. You know, mm-hmm. like that it'll it'll just you know prove to me how much we've grown and and what we've been able to accomplish from from bringing up these topics and, and you know trying to hopefully reach other people with them too. But I to go back so soon and just listen to them, I feel like that would just make me overly critical and want to just change things already. You know, so I, I think that it kind of helps to just wait a little bit as uh you know somebody in the creative field or as an artist i think it at times can be very beneficial more beneficial than anything to not think about your own shit too hard yeah you know everybody's their own worst worst critic and if you're like oh man like uh did did the way i say salad come off (laughs) weird shit maybe i should really think about the way i say salad and then Uh, everything becomes so robotic and thought 
and, and, and like this, and you know, there's there's a balance. Yeah, you know, there's a smoothness, there's a state of flow exactly. that I think everybody needs flow to be able to tap word. into. Yeah, because it's it's the balance between not being prepared at all, right, and not having any idea what the fuck you're doing, right, and thinking way too hard and trying to be over prepared, yeah, and it taking you out of the moment and you being you know able to produce something naturally. Yeah. And I mean. Maybe actually being overprepared is the way somebody works. You know, I'm not saying that that's a, some that's people the wrong are good at it. it. It just it really does does depend on on the medium, you know, and with what we're doing. And or with me, I've I've been known, and I know that you do the same thing too, where I just am overloaded with projects and overloaded with mm-hmm. things because I have way more ideas than I have the actual capacity to accomplish all of these things. And so yep. I just do what I can. And I know that a lot of people are like, no, you got to do your best. And it's like, well, it is my best for what I can do. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's it, I am putting the best in the moment, but I'm not overthinking it. I'm not trying to overdo it. Like I don't have the physical or mental uh, capacity to like sit there and plan out every single thing that I do. And so that's when we come on the podcast. And, you know, and if it's, you did, it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't you be, know? you know, and that, that exactly. And so that's why one, I think it, it started for me with that when I came back from Europe and I actually started working on music because prior to actually working with Little Black Bear and Coyote and making the album that we had, I would say that anything I did artistically was way too, you know, way too critical. Like I was just way too critical of everything that I did and couldn't get anywhere. Like I hated every single um, song that I had ever tried to write and Mm -hmm. I couldn't really get a genuine or sincere thought out. And, you know, it's hard because you care what other people think, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of like how you feel, you don't hit that state of flow. It's once you learn how to hit that state of flow, it becomes easier to allow yourself to, you know, um, implement that into just about everything else that you do. And then so you can just let it bleed. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, that, 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 that is actually the real meaning, the central thesis of what I've made my own personal brand, which is nobody cares. Mm-hmm. It's not just a problem that i see with society at large and that people don't care about shit but it's also the most freeing insight i've ever had in my life yeah in that being so self-critical and thinking about shit so much thinking what are people gonna say about this and then realizing like wait wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute do you notice those things in other people if you did do you really give a shit about you know if they didn't quite get this right you know no it kind of makes you more upset if they try too hard yeah, you're just like, oh, yeah, they. I don't really care. I actually, I thought it was good. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, oh, I, I saw the, the little mistake there, but shit, that was impressive, man. That, like that was cool. Like when I realized, oh, that's how I feel about everything and everybody. I'm like, oh, like that's probably the way everybody sees my shit and the fifty, uh, you know, things that I saw wrong with whatever I was doing. <laughs> literally, nobody else noticed because. Nobody is thinking about you as much as you do. Nobody you know? cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. And that's the most freeing fucking insight and thing I've ever realized in my life was that, oh shit, nobody really cares what I'm doing. Yeah. Really. Nobody really, really cares. Very, very, a very small circle of people or something like that. Really nobody does. And so why stress the fuck out about it, thinking everybody's going to care about all this shit when hey, they don't, it's, you know, that's freedom right there. Yeah. That's being able to express yourself and do what the fuck you want to do and just just own it, you know? Yeah. I don't 
always, you know, there, there's, there's a couple different theories of it. Sometimes I know I fucked up something and I made a mistake. I just won't say anything and nobody ever notices. Or I said something, I realized I fucked up. I made a mistake. And now my favorite thing really to do is say, oh shit, I fucked up, made a mistake and make that a part of it. You know, make that part of the fun. Laugh at yourself. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's just the most like personally for me is like a just growing as a person that was one of the best the best things i ever fucking realized and so yeah. yeah and so you know the good thing is that now that i have i'm trying to find this balance to where i have uh you know a natural thing where things aren't scripted because when things are scripted i have a hard time not reading it like a script you know right but you know bullet points and things like that ideas shit like i'm like okay how the fuck do i transition out of this boom I came prepared today. I've got shit to talk about. <laughs> and when I'm going, okay, well, I mean, this thing is like fucking eight pages here, which it doesn't need to be. There's a lot of shit. It's a lot of copy and paste. I didn't try that hard. Okay. Don't, don't <laughs> set your expectations too high at me, but I'm like, okay, I'm looking, I'm like, yo, let's, let's switch to something fun because I've seen some good shit this week. I feel like I went through a giant drought pretty much the whole time we were off where there was nothing good out there. I finished all the like shows I like. And then I feel like in the last like four or five days, I've just been fucking like banging out with random shit that I'd never heard of before. That was dope as shit. And so actually I wanted to trade you. Okay. Go for it. I will watch letter Kenny uh-huh. because we were fucking around on Netflix the other day and went to this like related, related thing to a really related thing. And we found this like weird British, like multicam sitcom or no, not multicam fucking, you know, single cam, uh, show called uh man like Mobine. Huh. And that shit was hilarious, man. And it was fucking fascinating to see this show that was so it felt like a very you know, American show. It felt like a show that could be here, but everything culturally and things like that, it was just so well done, so well written. It was clearly like uh like it was it's a, you know, a British comic who I'd never heard of who like has his own show about him and around him, you know. Uh-huh. And it was it was just brilliant, you know. It was legitimately super funny and it was a perspective of uh, a dude who's uh, he's a, a muslim dude in uh in the uk and you know he's uh you know he hangs out with like the the uh, i i wish i knew more about british culture so that i could accurately describe it but it's like like the hip-hop culture in uk okay you know people that say shit like bruv like uh-huh. like that, <laughs> that that kind of shit yeah and i'm probably actually being super reductive because you know it, it makes sense when you see it but it's just it's it's brilliant man huh. And it's, it's, I wonder if it would be super. So what, did you look at a related, a related thing for, to letter I don't or remember. Was it? You, you found it. Oh shit. She's, <laughs> she's doing an oil poll. So of course now's the time when we actually ask her questions and to participate in the show when she is doing it. It's a, it's a teeth cleaning thing. So oh, yeah, she got gotcha, you. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, so, but yeah, it was, called it was what again, uh, man like Mobine. M O B E N, and it's on Netflix. Or M O B E E N. Yeah, it's on Netflix. There's two seasons of it, and there's only like four episodes, and episodes are like thirty minutes a piece. So we cranked through it in one night. But I was like, damn, like this is dope. It's a really well done show. And so shout out to the fucking dude. I think his name's like Gaz something. But you know, he was good. And okay. so I was like, okay, if you watch that shit, I'll watch Letter Kenny. All right, you're hearing <laughs> it first. I'll commit to that shit. You know, nice. Because well, I'm like, oh, man, I, I I thought about you, too. I'm like, oh, man, this is probably just like Letterkenny's probably just like this shit. It's some Canadian shit. If I'm going to make this recommendation, I'm a half to concede. OK. 
I'll check it out. I mean, I, I do watch a lot of television. And I've run out of things to kind of watch. I just finished The Umbrella Academy, which has been really popular. How I'm not a big... How was that? Uh, I, 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 we watched the first five minutes and we we're just like... It's... I think... We're going to be really happy if we just fucking bail now and never waste our time on this shit. I think you were right. I think that it was really visually, stu- uh, you know, it, it was entertaining and and pretty to watch. Mm-hmm. But it was also story-wise absolutely, like, frustrating because it, there were just so many plot holes. Uh, the timeline was super fucking weird. There were just characters. Well, none of the characters were really extremely likable. Like the mm-hmm. one character that you kind of liked a lot, you know, it was still a letdown. Um, and this is all very unpopular opinion because so many people are just like in love with it, you know. And they, I guess they have. That's the first sign of trouble. They've they've had like you know the affinity for the comic books that I didn't even know existed. I never heard um, of it, yeah. until you know like, until they came out. But there's just so many cliche like. It felt imagining very by numbers. It was just, Shit, it Watch was just trailer. like the imagination. Then the imagination behind it wasn't very imaginative, and it was just like predictable in so many ways. But yet, the, like I said, the, there's so many plot holes and so many things that just don't make sense. And the characters were just like there was. There were several characters in there that just didn't need to be there whatsoever. So overall, I'd say that it was you know like a six out of ten. Yeah, you know that's 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 what it felt like. Yeah. You know, it, it's not good enough to be great, but not campy enough to be fun. Yeah, you know, it really felt like it rode that line in the middle to where I'm just like, I would feel like I'm, I would be frustrated by the end of it. You just over exaggerated like stuff waste my too. Time, like I'd wasted my time and shit like that. To where there's actually like uh, some shit that she's got. She you know uh, has been watching recently that I've been watching now and I've seen a bunch of it now is uh, Supernatural, which mm-hmm. that show is. It's bad. It's not good. <laughs> but holy shit, I love it. It's so much fucking fun because it's so, it's just insane. And Is that like, a WB show? It's it's a CW show. Well, yeah, that's it's the same thing, show. right? Yeah. But like it, it, they, they know the show is like not good. And so they have fun with it and shit like that. Right. Like, and they've been doing it for 13 fucking seasons. And we started in like season three. And like by season five, they're already doing an episode where they get transported into this crazy mythical world where they're just themselves, like the actors names walking around the like the set and talking to like the director and like the writer and shit like that. And it's like, so it's just like, damn, you guys already gave up on like on, on, on ideas like that at this point. I'm just like, fuck, they just lean into it. And it's so bad. It's brilliant. So I fucking... I guess... I mean, I've had a rule of thumb for a while now, which is like anything that's on a major network that's, you know, like our CW... The CW or, and CBS. Or, are... you know, CBS, TNT, stuff like that. I'm just kind of like, nah. Yeah. You know, I just... it Pass, you know. Yeah. Ever since the days of like... When, you know, people are like, oh, you don't watch Gotham? You don't watch Green Arrow? I'm like, eh, Ugh, I just why? don't like... I don't Who wants care. to watch a show about Batman but without the Batman? A lot of people. A bunch of a fucking A lot of people tell me like, "Oh, you're missing out. It's a great show." And I'm like, "There's so there's so much television out there. And there are so many good shows. Waste Why would time. you waste your time on stuff that like lasts forever like I'm that?" I'm looking at a, a 13-year-old Catwoman. Like, who the fuck cares? Why are they already supervillains? Yeah. Like that shows make me fucking Ah. Oh. Oh, okay. 
So I'm, I'm going to get myself literally worked up and angrier than I have been about any other topic. Talking about how fucking dumb the show Gotham probably is. I've never seen it. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I'm trying to think of what else that I have seen that's really good, though. I started The Order, which is entertaining enough. I actually think that it's kind of cooler in some ways than uh, Sabrina, which was out. Like, a lot of people liked Sabrina. I never, I haven't I, seen either of them. We I kind of thought it was the, very the cover intrigued us. And we clicked on the thing because it's just like a it's just like a, a, a dude in a cloak wearing like a, a, a deer skull. And we're just like, oh, what's this? And then we click on it. And then the, the next picture of it and then the description was just the corniest like Umbrella Academy style. Like it, it, it everybody was. lined up and ready to fight. And it's just like, oh, OK, no, never mind. Yeah, this shit looks bad. It had that that same element, too. Um, but yeah, but I've seen some great shit, though, lately. Like what? OK, Uh Okay, the first one I want to talk about is this movie that we saw, Thunder Road. I guess it won Sundance this year and shit like that. It's like this weird, dark comedy about a you know a cop dealing with uh, the loss of his own mother and like being like divorced and there's just this really like just very strange, corny dude. But this guy, the guy who plays him, I guess wrote and directed the whole thing. And I'm just like, holy shit, this guy's fucking brilliant. Like a brilliant comedic actor who was never I don't, I don't think he's done anything else it was just this and then where can you find this movie uh we got it on showbox um so i'm sure it's one of those where it's like okay we'll probably see it you know you can probably it's probably like on demand somewhere if you want to figure out how to get showbox you can go ahead and do that or and you know it's one of those things that will probably be on netflix in like a year or some shit and then you know it'll find like its own little cult fan base from there or something but yeah thunder road Fucking fantastic film. So I, I recommend that. But my new favorite show that we've been watching is, have you seen Black Monday? No. Okay, it's a new Showtime series with uh, Don Cheadle. Okay. And it's about the uh, it's about the crash in like the late 80s of the wall, of Wall Street. I saw a trailer for that dude, a while ago. Dude, it's the funniest fucking thing I've seen in a long ass time. It's, it's brilliant, man. I need to upgrade the Hulu, which I got for free now since I'm a Spotify premium member. I just got an email about that. Yeah, people people yeah, with Spotify get yeah, Hulu for free now. Yeah, but I'm we like, don't get yeah. the like show. We oh, have yeah, to they don't get the premium ones. So I got to yeah. get the Showtime thing going. But uh, Get a new email address. Get that free trial. And it's like a mini series. So just fucking get it. I don't like watch free trials all. because they make. Is it one of those ones where they'll automatically roll it over and start charging you? Because I just had to go through a dispute recently for some shit like that. And I'm just remember ter- to cancel it, man. Bro, it's not I that learned, hard. I, Set an alarm. I learned my this lesson. This drives me crazy because she's like, like uh-uh. some of them will be like, OK, this is going to stop at 1231 on that day. And she'll be like, it's like 1145. She's like, yo, I still got time for one more episode. I'm like, what are you doing? Dude, I got fucking. For a resume building website that I used one time where it was like, okay, this costs like a dollar or two. And I just needed, I hadn't made a, you know, done a resume in forever. You know, I worked at a restaurant forever and like, I just was there and then got another job. So I I made this resume, paid like a buck or two to like fucking use their, their templates or whatever and had no idea, no idea that for like eight months they were charging me. And guess how much they were charging me a month for a resume building website oh. that like, who the fuck uses a resume building website every day like that? Are you and a for professional for a resume? Yeah. I didn't even know this because it was on my, it was on my man. credit card. It wasn't even on my checking account. And I kept wondering why am I getting all of these overage fees and everything? And luckily it like was just, you know, I was able to dispute it, but 20, 24 to $27 a month. What the fuck? Yeah, for a resume building website. Oh shit, bro. those are con men. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, 
They, like, they fucking do that shit. They get you a free service, but they make it, you know, kind of weird and confusing and hard to fucking cancel. But it was an easy dispute, though, because it did not take long. It took like three days or no, two days. And they were just like, OK, yeah, you got your refund back for all of these these days. And oh, like, OK, that, that's that's good. But that's Jesus relief. Christ, yeah, that but shit fucking it, it, it pisses me off. Blows that, my you know? mind. Like, who the fuck is going to pay 27 bucks for a resume building website like a month? That's and, and like I said, I don't even recall agreeing to this yeah maybe you did it's probably in the fine print somewhere and they're really obtuse about the way they write it fuck i've got a i've got a new client who just kind of went through a similar thing and she's like yeah i've been working with this other like digital marketing digital market marketing agency for years now and i'm not sure what they do and she's like hey can you take a look at this stuff and i'm looking at like her contracts and the way that they've like you know messed around the way that they operate and the the things they ask you holy shit they've been fucking you over by a lot like out of thousands of dollars for years it's crazy you should not be paying 90 bucks a month for a site that looks like it's from fucking geocities like it's it's crazy yeah and so yeah there there are some goddamn comment on out there and and they know that they can hide behind you know contracts that nobody's gonna read you know looking at apple i've been doing that more recently i've actually been one of the nerds who's actually like reading the fucking itunes user agreement before I fucking hit send. I'm not just hitting okay to everything anymore because I'm looking at like privacy policies and shit like that because some of the shit that they they mine and capture is just not cool. I don't want that shit out there. I don't want them fucking following me with the shit and, and oh, man, passing around anxiety, all my information. Like just things. thinking about this shit because I am so not savvy That's whatsoever when it comes to stuff. That's literally my job is to give people anxiety. Why the fuck do you think I started this show? It's the only way I can come anymore. Jesus Christ, uh, yeah. man. <laughs> Yeah, so, so it's, it, it's it's rough. Yeah, it's but so rough. back to the good shows. You said yeah. Black Monday. Black Monday, my favorite show that I've seen in a while. It's a limited series. It's so fucking funny, dude. I don't. Even, I like the the urge to fucking spill so many of the jokes are fucking killing me. But it's 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 uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg too. Oh. Yeah, they they wrote and and did the whole thing, Got and it. just you know Regina Hall, Don Cheadle, fucking uh, all these like. You know, major comedy people's like you know Brown Holler and uh, Ken Marino and all all these people who are just Ken Marino's hilarious. He's fucking hilarious. He's he plays he plays uh, he plays the Lehman Brothers in the 1980s, uh. like the giant like the giant uh, financial guys, and they are hysterical. Like <laughs> I could t- he, that's a perfect it's, okay role okay. For him. So here's 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 one joke I'll give away. Is, you know, Don Cheadle walks into the room. He's like. Oh, okay. Hey, put you know, put your dicks away. Like you know, quit fucking each other when you like burst into the room. It's like quit fucking each other for a second so we can have a conversation. And they're just like, and then they all of a sudden just get immediately super defensive. Like we never fucked each other. That is a lie. Okay, you cannot. <laughs> and then he's just like, what? Yeah. And they're like, obviously we're brothers. We wouldn't fuck each other, right? Yeah, we wouldn't fuck each other. And then and then Don Chill's like, yeah, that would be insane. Your brothers. Why would you fuck each other? And they're just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, so, so what are you here for? It's shit like that. And trust me, I'm not doing it justice because those are dudes who are a thousand Ken times funnier than I will ever be. Marino from like role models when he's like, he's like, oh yeah, it, he fucked his cousin. Oh, I didn't fuck my cousin. <laughs> I, fucked yeah. my, I fucked her friends though. I fucked her friends. Exactly. It's that kind though. of shit. Dude. Yeah. So the show's fucking fantastic. You love it. There's a lot of people that would love it. I've been hearing a lot of good things about this show called American Gods. I think that's what it's called. What? American Gods. I feel like I've heard of that. I, I, I've been hearing that it's, I, I kind of don't even know exactly what I would say because I, nobody's really wanted to spoil much. And it seems like 
it's a comedy based on what was the little bit that was described to me, but it it's also not like it's kind of like I have no idea, but okay. I want to see it. It's one it's of those ones one. that like kind of rides the line. Yeah, you know? apparently though, it's something very unique and uh, interesting, and um, it's another one of those things I have to figure out how to access because I'm not good at that shit. Okay, no, I I will. That that's the kind of thing I like, you know, just 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 probing for shit, just to see if something's good. You know, I've had some other things that are like good, but I haven't really, I haven't watched enough of it to like officially recommend it, but like. Uh, I'm sorry. Is another show that I started watching that was actually really good. I've seen a few episodes. Oh yeah, of. dude. Is that um, what's her name? With uh, Andrea Savage. Yeah, and, that's um, a good one. And Jason Medzukis. Okay, I, yeah, like, that's a great one. Like, I, yeah. I like that show a lot. There I, was that one, and then there was one called Fleabag that was a British one with I forget her name, but she's you kind of hate her and love her at the same time because mm-hmm. she's just so like she's kind of like a shitty person, but not really. You feel bad for her because she's just like you know. On yeah. on that note, I've been watching this show called Smilf that like, you know, from the trailers, I wouldn't have given a thing about, but I would say exactly the same thing, you know? Yeah. You're just like, you don't know quite how to feel about them. It's it's a comedy, but kind of a comedy. You know, there's other good like moments. Some anti-hero in shit. It. Yeah, some know? anti-hero shit, you know? Some real shit, you know, real right. depictions of people. The raw you know? stuff pointing out. And that like all of us have, everybody has done some shitty things or at least has the capacity to do shitty things, even if you're not shitty people you know something something realistic about that right you know, none of us are beyond that shit and so shit like that i like what was that one called that one was called fleabag fleabag yeah it uh. was it was pretty good because she's you know a female feminist but like she also kind of like you know points out her own hypocrisy in a lot of ways too mm-hmm. um with what she's what she's doing but like she's just very real and very raw and like it's it's very empowering though for women because it's like you know sh- it's going along with a lot of shows right now where it's showing you know things that you would have never seen stuff that would have been taboo to talk about or yeah. just like whatever you know like they just wouldn't talk about like you know uh, this also reminds me of another fucking hilarious show uh pen 15 this the looks pen like pen 15 club pe- is that pen, yeah penis or whatever like, well yeah. that's what it looks or like or is it just pen 15 it's okay pen I, 15 but it I've looks like i mean it's it's supposed to be like you're in junior high uh-huh. and you're you know reading this and the, the reason why this show is it's so awkwardly hilarious and it's awkward as fuck because it's these girls who are literally our age, you know, my age, 31 years old that are playing themselves in high school or junior high. Sorry. Oh, okay. As, uh, no, no, as fresh, no, as freshmen in high school. So they're, or no, is it, or is it junior high? No, I think that they're, so like even the boys in, are clearly, they're, obviously thir- older th- they're playing 13 yeah. year old selves. Okay. And like one of them, I mean, they both pass for it. Although one of them is like, okay, you're way taller and like hit puberty the other, like before everybody else. But then the one of them is just like, what the fuck? And so you just have to think about the fact that they're acting with these little kids. Mm-hmm. And like in very I, I awkward, for, for, like, a, you know, go uh, coming of age type uh, situations, you know, especially like pointing out like, you know, girls going through puberty, mm-hmm. sort of like just very awkward <laughs> shit, but hilarious yeah. too. Okay. But like, I, I think that, you know, it's definitely something that girls would love because they could relate to it a lot. Yeah, dude, you just reminded me of another movie that I saw that it's on the in that similar fashion uh, that I saw. It, it was probably a couple months ago now. It's a movie called uh, Eighth Grade. Hmm. It was actually uh, written and directed by Bo Burnham, and it's not a funny movie, but it's it's like this really, you know, sort of heart wrenching like 
hard to watch it a lot of times like you know depiction of what like following this like this girl who was in eighth grade and she's like uh graduating from junior high and going into high school but just like i had never really seen what seemed so fucking real and authentic depiction of like what kids you know go through now and that like we've you know we've experienced a, a part of that and like being you know when we were around that age was when myspace was you know getting to be a thing and shit like that mm. and so social media kind of doing that but seeing how much the culture and technology has kind of advanced since then and how that fucking feeds into like the psyche of what you know like a little girl like that would go through you know so it's 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 a brutal movie i don't know if i would you know recommend everybody to watch it but it was interesting and it, it was very powerful it told a good story you know so that shit was you know on that on that note it was fucking crazy yeah, there's, a ton, there's never a shortage of shit out there to watch. Yeah, man, sure. I feel like I feel like we've got like a like a couple months of shit to like catch each other up on and shit like that. Because I'm yeah. looking through here, I'm like Smilf, which I would describe exactly like you just described, uh, Fleabag, uh-huh. and fucking. Uh, uh, have you seen Paddleton on Netflix? No, I saw the trailer for it, and I is it that's the movie, right? With Ray Romano yeah. and Mark Duplass. Yeah, I don't know why. When I see Ray Romano and something, I'm just kind of like, I don't know that this is gonna be worth watching. I have this like resurgence of love for Ray Romano because I feel like he's just popped up again in a bunch of different things, and he's been brilliant. Like in this movie, he was great, and I saw his like his Netflix special that he just put out. Also, it was really fucking good, you know. And so no, like I've got like a new respect for Ray Romano, okay. like like and not the like oh it's a sitcom guy. But it's not. Is it not one of those types of movies that's like more just what's the what's the word that I'm thinking of? Like not directly hilarious, kind of just makes you feel bad. Like you it's, just kind of feel it's like a dark a darker dark down movie. Sure. Like yeah, but but ultimately I did like the central conceit of the movie. Okay, you know? it's it's you know it it's. You know, it's again, it's one of those things where it's just, it's a, re- it just, it's a real story. You know, I feel like I'm actually watching two characters and two people and how they would actually handle a very difficult and hard situation, you know, and this is just life for people. And it, and, it, and I feel like it was expressed in a way that actually was going to be real. And, you know, the ultimate thing is, Hey, you know, you can go through some of the hardest things in your life and things are going to be okay. This doesn't feel rom- overly romanticized. It doesn't feel like anything you know kind of magical happened to save the day to where we get you know we get the thing it's like no no no. like the, this is just like a, a real story of some shit you know what about like high maintenance or easy Have you i've seen either not one of those? seen either of those they're both somewhat similar although high maintenance is uh it, it's a continuous sort of thing that kind of brings so many different people and how their stories connect mm-hmm. um and it's but it, it's about a you know drug dealer or pot yeah. dealer that goes around and rides his bike and he meets all these people and so there's all these interactions and and it just kind of goes in each each one's a different story um and they're very real easy also is one of those types of shows although it's every episode is a different one and they come back into the next season though so like every episode you'll see another episode in the second season with the same characters from like another okay. episode from the first season though they are different stories um and I think that they kind of somehow connect too, being that they're like in New York. And so oh, that's cool. those are really, really good, real I, I like shows, like kind of like yeah. the master of none thing. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. That, a, that literally popped into my head when you said that. What yeah. about the Russian doll? Did you see that? You know, I watched, I watched the first, we the, watched the first, almost the first whole episode. She wasn't really into it. 
I thought it had it. It seemed to me I was struck that it was like one of those things where this looks like it's got the potential to be something and say something, but that there. I don't know what it is. I don't know quite how to articulate it, but uh, this has happened to me so many times where I'm like, whoa, this shit is probably really good and fascinating. And then I get to the end and there's no payoff to any of like the weird shit, you know? And it's just so unsatisfying. I'm almost angry I ever watched it in the first place. Yeah. And so we turned it off. I, everybody's saying it's good. I think Which is usually a sign that, are, that like, yeah, to me, I, I might not be into it, but you know, I, I would be willing to give it a second chance. I'm just not sure yet. I think you might be, you might have already. Is that right? I think you might have already felt the right way. I, I, that's what Velvet Buzzsaw was to me. I don't know if you saw that. I liked Velvet Buzzsaw, although I liked it for one particular reason, and that is because I work in that sort of world and mm. understand the oh, pretentious totally pomposity that is in that world. And I think that though it was cheesy and stupid, it was meant to be that way. It was it, like so meant, the top. Yeah. It was meant to be that way, but it was totally just, you know, uh, a metaphor for that world of art dying. Like it's gotten nowhere else to go, but death, you know, because it's because people are starting to care more again about real shit as opposed to, just the fucking hoopla that you know is the hype mm. that is out there that people are just throwing these fucking they're just making ridiculous shit up to sell stuff and for their own gain and it's not about the art it's all about what can we sell what can we you know hold to a higher standard than other things and so it's that whole pretentious bullshit that is to be gone and like you know you see the character like John Malkovich who takes a step back from that sort of thing in the movie. And he's kind of like wants to get back to the real essence of art. And so mm -hmm. he like survives and he's there not to yeah. spoiler alert, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, I, was, it was one of those where I'm like, okay, if you're going to come out this strong, this outrageous, this corny, I feel like I, I can, from the very beginning of the movie, I'm like, okay, I feel like I do understand the point that this movie is ultimately going to try to make. But like, if you're going to start out this big like that, it better have a just as satisfying ultimate conceit or, you know, subversion of expectations or something like that. I don't want to be able to, if like, if you're this high up your own ass about being predictable and shit like that, if I can actually predict what you're doing. And like, I feel like it kind of started to lose me towards the third act. I didn't predict it. I thought, happening. I, it wasn't as good as I thought, but like, I thought exactly. it would, I, like, I thought it would be This is not going to be better. as good as this movie thinks it is. But I just watched From Dust Till Dawn again yesterday and I forgot how long that movie went after, like, or I forgot when the last time I got through the whole movie because, you know, as soon as after Salma Hayek's done dancing and mm -hmm. their vampires are just like, okay, like this is a twist. That's about yeah. all I need to see. And then, but it really does go on for like almost another 40 to an hour of just really cheesy, bad, like <laughs> <laughs> killing vampire scenes. Dude, one of the most flagrant violators of this idea that I have ever seen. We watched uh, like a week or two ago. Have you seen Vox Lux with Natalie Portman? No, but I want to because it's Natalie Portman. Oh man, we have very different tastes. And this movie is like, it, it started out really good in that, like, it was very like, you know, up its own ass and like about shit. And it was one of those where I'm like, this might be one of those movies that like, I don't like, but like we kept watching. I'm like, oh, maybe this is good. Maybe it is getting to something. And then it just like gets to the end and just <laughs> falls apart. It was, it was kind of, you know, shit. There were, you, you, I loved it. you loved it.
Okay. <laughs> I just, I was expecting more. And it is, it is a good, I would recommend people see it, but it's like, ah, it was one of those that just like frustrated me. It ended with the worst concert scene I have ever seen in my life because Natalie Portman is not a good singer. And the pop songs they produced for her to perform were very bad. So she was actually singing? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that was on purpose, but I felt like there should have been more of a crescendo than the way that that movie, it, it just kind of ended. I'm like, oh, okay, all of the things that I thought that they could do to make it poetic and round it out and all the things I was expecting them to surprise me. And then, I mean, I guess they did. And then I'm like, oh, it just ends. Okay. Well, now I'm kind of worried for you to go back and watch Letterkenny because I felt that I've, I felt that I've built it up too much for you to like not take it for what it is uh, and oh, no. accept it and just like, you know, it's, have it's, fun with it. It's achieved like a, a meme status for me and that like my uh, my opposition <laughs> to it is half the fun of the show is that like I refuse to watch it for no other reason than just being You stubborn. and a lot of other people because yeah. I apparently have uh done the exact opposite of what i wanted to do and turn people <laughs> onto it and people are just like no like, i think people immediately recognized how much more fun it would be to just deny you that because yeah. i know that's what happened with me and that's probably well, what they're doing it to themselves it's not really a reflection of the show at all yeah oh but... man so that and i don't remember have i talked about kidding i'm like at the end of my list here finally kidding kidding which no. the jim carrey show no, I finished oh. it. I finished it a while ago, but holy shit, that's one I've been wanting Dude, to watch. Dude, that show is so brilliant. I feel much. like you would love it. Again, it's something I can't find. <laughs> has a lot of very interesting points. I fucking adore that show. So at least the first season. There's only one season, but that he first season gets like, like full marks. The it. most, if not the most, one of the most interesting people of our time. Like when you think about just, I mean, have you seen the I art that he does? Agree more. Have you not seen, have you seen the art that he does? Like all like, I, I are mean, you kidding? It's my, it's, I, I get it all, you know, directly fed to my phone immediately the second he posts the shit, man. I fucking love like the, he's just a very interesting person. The paintings you know? and all the shit that he does. Yeah. 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 It's, it's crazy. Like you're, well, I mean, you know, he's got, he's got money and he's got the, the, the means to do so, but still it's like, you don't just. Like it's easy to say that anybody could go do that with that kind of stuff, but it's really not like, I can't go just like, Paint. I mean, I was actually blown away because that's just one other thing on top of, you know, and it just seems like there's so many things that come out with him that you wonder how, where does the act start and stop? Because the whole man on the moon thing still trips yeah, I, me Yeah, I don't think he knows. Either, yeah. You know, I, I, I genuinely, genuinely respect him as an artist. I think he is, you know, he's one of the, the few out there. You know, when I does realize- the Terrence McKenna movie come out? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know, but I am excited for that though, because I do. You know, I, I I know that he will treat that with level of respect that will, you know, really make it a thing. And especially after kidding, I'm like, holy shit, that show is fucking. It's brilliant. It's fucking incisive. It has a great point. It's funny as hell. I have to get. I gotta get my hands on the. I gotta become savvy enough to learn how to do these things. To do stuff that everybody knows how to do. Okay, I I'll send you a link or some shit with some instructions cool. on how to get some of the shit so we can be caught up and we can be on the same page and we can talk about this shit you know and then that's that's got to be like a business expense or some shit like that you know last thing before we go in yep. because it kind of ties into you know the global warming thing i guess that mm-hmm. you know we, that we're going to get into but did you have you seen the beyond the behind uh beyond the curve no what's that or is it behind the curve or beyond the curve uh it's the Flat Earth Army 
uh, documentary where they go into oh, no. talking about the flat earthers, but it's not like <laughs> trying to convince you that the earth is oh, flat. Oh yeah, no, I'm just like it's more of like about the phenomenon. It's it's I'm about sure. the phenomenon and how it's like just kind of exploded and basically about cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias, all of that stuff. Mm. You know, why people start to believe these things. That's my And it's a very, very important thing because you can definitely relate it to the whole political climate in oh, this yeah. world and everything, just about anything. Um, and I think it's really important to understand the psychology and that like doesn't necessarily mean that if somebody believes this, it's because they're just batshit crazy or dumb. It's the, they it's could the be, same part of our brain. Yeah, they could be extremely intelligent in so many ways, but there's just one part, like you're saying, your, your brain that is choosing to believe something because that's what they want to believe. Mm -hmm. And so there was that. And I highly recommend anybody go and watch that. And then right afterwards, start the series One Strange Rock. If you have not started oh, the watching... Oh, one? Yeah, oh, that's okay. fucking good. It's like planet Earth meets the cosmos, mm -hmm. but in such a mind-blowingly uh, and visually stunning um, form. You mm -hmm. know, you you see these astronauts like they show images from space where you could actually see the curvature of the earth. And like, it shows how they observe all of these things, all of everything that happens in the earth, like how the earth works, like how the seasons come about, like where oxygen comes from, like how we get oxygen, oh. like all of this stuff as, and they can see it and observe it from space. Like, you know, they see clouds and movements and, you know, they, they see, all of this shit. Okay. So, and I'm not even completely finished with it, but it's fucking good. Oh, that's the kind of thing we throw on when we're high and like ready for bed. Yes. I think we actually did one time. So I feel like I've seen Take the a first tab part of the and first watch episode. It and you'll be like, okay. what the fuck? That sounds like some fun. Yes. Fuck yeah. And then watch Off the Air. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is the best tripping shit, hands down, that, period. Uh, that because... sounds like a good combination. That sounds like a fun yeah. Wednesday morning. That was my Tuesday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I was kidding. Well, you know, it, we're at an hour and fifteen. I, I really do hate to end on uh, a downer note, but I, I've I've been kind of making this sermon, you know, ever since uh, I was really, really made aware of this uh, this this book by this author David Wallace Wells. He was on uh, Rogan. He was on a bunch of other places as well this week. It was it was so impactful when I heard him on uh, uh, the show called Why Is This Happening with uh, Chris Hayes. And it was just such a like, whoa, such a mind fuck. And then like the next day he was on Rogan. I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to listen to this because this guy is, you know, is talking about some shit that I think is really, you know, it, it's changing a lot of people's minds and, and, and really surprising, shocking. But, you know, there are, you know, it's not that bad, but it's it's just this alternate look at climate change and really digging into, um, you know, the 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 science around it and talking about it not in the abstract of like things that we're you know seeing and things that we've been repeating and just saying since the 70s that we've got to do something about it like the world's you know on on track for disaster and shit like that and the sort of nihilism and fatalism that has kind of really crept into the culture because it's like oh well we fucked up there's not much we can do about it you know and there's this weird prevailing idea that oh man well we fucked up you know that's it it's gonna happen so why waste time and and it's this idea that he's 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 not a climate scientist, but he has read all of the climate scientists and really compiled them into a book that I'm actually very interested in uh, checking out called uh, The Uninhabitable Uninhabitable Earth. Hmm. And he talks about like 
you know, where we've been at, where client sciences has, has said we've been, all the new studies that have been done that have projected stuff and said that like, hey, the people that were saying that this is a slow moving problem and things like that, things are happening that we did not predict, you know, and we are finding out more and more about this shit every day. And things are so much worse than we've ever been told to believe. Like, this is not going to be something that's our grandkids' problem. This is going to be, everybody who's alive now will see more of the effects getting worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. That, like, by 2040, you know, I mean, I I know this was going around a while. I don't know if, if everybody saw this message. If scientists were saying that, like, okay, in tw- in, like, 30 years, the climate will have moved 500 miles north from where it is. So where we're at right now would be like Baja, Mexico in 30 years. That would just be how it always is. And San Francisco will become super nice like LA, you know, Mm -hmm. and everything will be moving northward from there. But all of the shit around the equator is going to be damn near uninhabitable. We're talking about like in, you know, certain places in India where the climate in the summer is going to be like literally 130 degrees outside, like 0% humidity, an unlivable condition. To where if you go outside, like you will just, you'll die. You spend five minutes outside. People can't live like that, you know? So we're, you know, there, there are actually dire things that we're going to see in our lifetime. Gigantic economic impacts and shit like that uh, from not doing anything, you know? Because if we allow all this shit to continue at the rate we're at, things are going to be disastrous. Actually, there there is no way that things are not going to be anything that you would call is not disastrous right now. We've already went way past that point so things are going to be bad but things can always get worse and you know the the metric that was the a couple of things that stuck out to me that were the most impactful was that since the 70s they said like, like two degrees of warming of the earth beyond where we were at was going to be a disaster that was going to be the world ending thing that they've always said in the 70s that we can't we must avoid because that will be irreparable damage to the planet and all this other stuff and we're on track to do almost four and so there's like, we need to do everything we can. If we did everything we can now on a global scale, maybe we wouldn't hit the two degrees. But things get worse from two degrees to four degrees to eight degrees and shit like that. Like four degrees of warming, which is what we're almost on track to do, like 3.8 by like 2060 or some shit like that. That means there's palm trees in the Arctic. That means that's, that's what that actually levels out to. And now there's all this sorts of new shit that's coming out saying that like, you know, four degrees, three and a half degrees of warming could mean that we actually lose clouds. Fucking clouds go away because the earth gets too hot. And if clouds are reflecting most of the light that we get from the sun back, if clouds go away and then we have no shield from the sun, suddenly the world, you know, pumps up to six, seven, eight degrees. And eight degrees of warming is literally Dante's Inferno fire and brimstone hellscape eradication of all life on earth Hmm. and that is the kind of shit that we are looking at and facing you know that we would look we could be looking at trillions of dollars less in the global gdp and stuff like that and that there not being any reason to at this rate things for there not to be hopeful for future generations that there's you know much left to live off of and he's saying there's not there's no indication that it will eradicate all life on earth or something like that people will survive but like a billions of people could die from some shit if we don't do something and the one of the most impactful yet in a weird way hopeful uh statistics that he talks about is that 
over half of the carbon that we've put out in the air right now has been actually put out in the last 30 years. Meaning in our lifetime, we've actually seen almost all the pollution that has actually made it here from the whole industrial age till now. Mm-hmm. It's been done in this period where we were fully aware of all the problems that this thing creates. But that also means that we could have the power to fix it, to reverse it, to actually make some real big movements and change towards shit, you know? Because the truth of it is, is that like, you know, individually recycling and stuff like that, buying a, a car that runs on electricity rather than gas or getting rid of your SUV, that doesn't really, it statistically does not have a significant impact on shit. What we need is the political will to actually mobilize and, you know, be ready for big actual change and be willing to make giant uh, concessions and changes in the way that we, we live our life now because modern society is not sustainable at this rate. You know, what we need to do is to have the political will and the courage to actually be able to change things about our lives. But no, economically, the Green Act doesn't make sense. You know, you can't. But actually, it. actually, it does. Yeah. I'm, the, the, I was you know. Being, uh... Oh, yeah. no, no, no. This is, this is fantastic. No, you're queuing me up perfectly. I know. I know you don't. <laughs> but, you know, it, it makes more sense now, financially. We will add so much money to the global GDP if we actually, as a giant global community, start working towards decarbonization. Because, uh, you know, this, this dude, what he says is that we, we spend $5 trillion on oil subsidies right now in this country. So we are giving them free money, oil companies. To destroy the planet we could take that money and invest it and it would take like i think he said like six trillion dollars or something like six or eight trillion or maybe even less than that to um to invest into the machinery and the technology that we do have now to actually take carbon out of the atmosphere and start reversing some effects stuff like that now it's you know there there's always complications to all that stuff because it would take a, a gigantic infrastructure in order to store all that carbon and put it in a way that is isn't dangerous but i'm saying there are ideas out there and there are movements out there and people who are you know who are ready to to answer this thing and there's nothing that we can do now that's not going to cause a lot of pain and suffering all around the world but actually right now we are experiencing historic you know suffering at the hands of climate change but it's not a hopeless thing and that like life will continue and we will go on, but we have to be ready and prepared emotionally, physically, financially to live in a world that is just different than the one we're at, you know, and that like this, this continued accumulation of, of things, you know, the materialism of a lot of society is going to be okay to let go of, you know, and do stuff. There's a, you know, there's 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 a lot of things that come with it, but there are ideas out there, and really the important part of this is that political will to enact these changes and do these things is the single most important thing that we can do right now. And and looking at this thing as an opportunity for, you know, growth, prosperity, and and restoring some balance to society, it's actually there. But you know, there's there's this this balance. That he, that he talks about, you know, because, you know, talking about all the doomsday scenarios and things like that, that's a way to, I mean, 
there's always been a worry that that's going to turn people off from the subject and have them not, uh, you know, engage and feel like, oh, it's hopeless. So why would I do anything? But that is kind of not it. And the problem isn't really the climate deniers. The problem is actually barely America. We're only responsible for like 15% of global pollution and shit like that. A lot of it is with, you know, China and things like that. It's something for us all to be aware of, to be way more acutely, you know, you know, aware of and our, our impact and, and knowing that like individually, some of it is out of our hands, but what we can do collectively politically is look to people who are taking this and treating this as seriously as it is, because they're at this rate, you know, if, if Trump has this way, reopening coal plants and shit like that, and just putting all this stuff out there and all these people who just don't, who just don't care that global warming is going to be a thing and that, that it's, you know, destroying things that there's going to be no earth left for people beyond after they die. It's important for us to actually rise up and fight back against those ideas. And, you know, there's things like, uh, like the green new deal that people keep talking about right there. That is a idea to use our, you know, wealth and, and power to actually mobilize the entire country and, and reform the idea of what it is to be, you know, in America, kind of like working on these things too, to provide a new social, you know, safety net to keep all these things going and to mobilize everybody into this this giant project on the scale of World War II, which is where it was a hard time. It was this gigantic common enemy that we all could unite around to combat. And so now we face that on a global scale. And it's not just a giant problem, not something to fret about, not something to really not something to really there's there's no point in worrying about a lot of shit that you can't do but the way i'm saying this is it's an opportunity it's an opportunity for us to all kind of find some some commonality and to unite against this fucking thing you know it's dr manhattan in uh in sauron yeah it's, it's sauron you know it's uniting all the kingdoms together and we can combat this shit and the road ahead is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But I have not felt right learning all this new shit and looking at all the, you know, the new science, things like that, and not actually spreading this message. And they're like, hey, this should be everybody's number one priority. Because there's literally nothing more important than this right now if we're talking on the, the, most, the most macro scale that we can do. And it doesn't mean stay up all night, lose sleep and shit like that. Because we got to comp- compartmentalize We've got to, there's no use living like that because that's not, that's not good for anybody just stressing yourself out way too much over it. But it is important enough that everybody should know this, be behind this, support these things and, and just be ready, be prepared, educate yourselves and know that there's nothing more important than this right now. Sorry, I know it's a downer, but that's the way I'm going to end the show this week on that one. It's important. It's, it's, it's an important message. Okay. But Hey, we can do this. You know, it's gallows humor. It's it's you need to be able to live your life in a way and find joy and find meaning and things because that's what life is, all right. But also, nobody is allowed to be complacent anymore. You know, you're not allowed to check out of this global problem uh, because it doesn't feel good. You know, be ready. Be ready there. Take your times. Balance. You know. Not everything is one thing. Not everything is the other. It's the theme of this whole, everything that we've been talking about today is don't, don't, don't get too sad. You know, 
Oh shit, it's a scary feeling. I know. My test, my test, my chest also fucking tightens up thinking about this shit too much. But it's important to not lose, you know, you can be hopeful, but know that nobody's coming to save us. Yeah. You know, there, there's no cavalry that's coming. We're not going to invent our way entirely out of this, but we kind of already have. The ideas are out there. Support them. Let's work together and we can do this shit. Okay. Anything can happen. You know, and you know, in a world where, you know, things are mobile and things are scarce, fuck it. We bring our festivals with us. You know, life becomes that. Marauding north, living in nature, doing shit like that. Community is the most important thing. We don't need all this fucking shit. Bring back the the real marauders. Exactly. <laughs> the exactly, days of right. real real pirating. No, well, yeah. I mean, I think that that's uh, definitely a good way to end it. You know, it's uh, be good and love each other. Yeah, that's what's important. Love yourself. Love yourself, and then love other people. Love yourself enough to care. Exactly. So, you know, just uh, I, it just takes me back to one. Because in, in so many ways that, you know, you hear people say, like, it's it's important not to give a shit about certain things, you know, to say, fuck it, or nobody cares, as we brought about earlier. Yeah. There's that side of it for sure. But I always go back to this one time where this guy told me something, you know, and it was one philosophy, and it could have been even something different than what he actually meant. But I was working at Joe's Crab Shack, and as anybody who has ever been to Joe's Crab Shack or worked there knows that you have to do these fucking dances. And it was in the early days of when I was working there. And I, you know, put my effort into what I did. Like I was one of those people that cared about what I did and, and you know, was out there doing the dance moves the way that they were supposed to be done. And this guy was at the bar and he made sure to tell me he was drinking. He was just like, hey, you know what? I like you. It's like, you give a shit. And he's like, don't ever stop giving a shit. Because once you stop giving a shit, that's when things go to shit. And I was like, well, you know, at the time. That was definitely something I took in my own way to mean something very beneficial. That's beautiful. And uh, that is definitely something that, you know, we need to put into our ethos as well. And, uh, you know, you could either do that or Dr. Seuss's Lorax. Uh, unless somebody like you cares a whole awful, awful lot, it's not going to get better. It's not, <laughs> or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a beautiful lesson. They seem they might seem trite, they might seem cliche, and they come in a fucking thousand and one flavors. But that universal truth is right there, it's and there's something for a reason. real to it. <laughs> Pay know? attention and get it right. You know? Yes. So yeah, like it's it's worth fighting for. Yeah. All this shit is worth fighting for. But also, love yourself. You know, live yeah. your life in a, in a in a way that's meaningful. Exactly. Oh man. Well. well coming down to it so where uh well let's just say if you guys want to get an early head start on all of my weekly uh doomsday scenarios that i spell out and all this shit i did not get to you can find me freely ranting about this all hours of the day at phil nobody cares on twitter and if you want to go to instagram and see weird random shit like a you know a commercial for cat xanax that i made because frankie was just (laughs) weirdly calm one day uh, you can check me out on Instagram at nobody cares Phil. Also, while you guys are listening to this show, I know we were a little long-winded this time. I won't do this to you again. So go ahead and follow us on social media. That is at Let It Bleed Cast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show. However, you like getting your podcast. The power is in your hands, my friend. Yeah. Do you like Stitcher? 
No, nobody does. Of course not. Do you listen to Apple Music and Apple Play? What are you fucking like, you know, 50? You don't know how to work a phone? No, <laughs> but do you like Spotify? Do you like going through and syndicating it with your own, you know, random uh, uh, podcast playing app from the App Store that syndicates shit from other, all the most common feeds? Well, you're in luck because I put them all out there and motherfucker, you better appreciate it. So I want to see 10 downloads a piece from everybody. Okay. And then go ahead and tell that weird guy that lives in your neighborhood that has not mowed his grass in like probably a year and shit gets real creepy around there. This is how you're going to reach out because he's going to appreciate this. He's going to love it. You guys are going to hit it off. You guys are going to be best friends. And that is the story of this week. Yep. Well, we got a couple of things I wanted to mention real quick, too, that are going on this week. I've been doing a lot of shit outside with other events. Uh, some crazy cool stuff has been happening at shows. Got one this Saturday, uh, Mutate LA. It's going to be the fourth episode. You got Truth as a headliner, big uh, bass act. But also yours truly will be crowd acting, walking around part of this uh, really interesting and unique production that I'm very excited to have, you know, kind of just taken off with and uh it's been really fun getting to to do something different and i encourage you all to come check it out you will not be disappointed it'll be like unlike any of the the regular shows that you go to and then the very next day we have art in the park it's going to be our saint patrick's day party at the park it's green sauce we're also going to be fundraising for lost in the sauce which will be coming up next month that you need to get your tickets for and when you do you can uh, actually find a link. I'll be posting it to the Let It Bleed page, also on my own personal page on Facebook, uh, as well as Instagram. You can find me at Hood Rat Stuff or the Psychedelic Lions Den. Um, and yeah, use Dr. Sauce as the promo code. Help us out. Help us get some money so we can bring the shit because we're broke, but we want to bring some dope shit that we're not only going to be able to use this time, but for all of our future events. We're trying to bring art to the people, inspire help them create and grow, realize that art is actually what's going to help change the world as well. So, you know. It's the reason we get up in the morning, man. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So yes. Fucking go ahead, check that shit out, and check out that dope-ass painting you did of that <laughs> uh, side episode that we haven't aired yet of Frankie having a podcast with that goldfish. Yes. That shit was hilarious. Yes. That's just one of his many and many guests. We're going to have to get Dr. some more Sauce people. on Instagram for that shit. There you go. Follow Dr. Sauce as well. All right. Well, you know, thanks for staying with us this whole fucking long one. It was just us and I think an it was good. An hour and 35 minutes. We're not, not too bad. Oh, it's actually we've, not We've bad. done worse. We've no, done worse. It's definitely, yeah, we could go on forever and ever um, and you guys are troopers for sticking with us and hopefully you no, got- we're fucking brilliant. Yeah, hopefully you got something really good out of that because I did. I'm going to go home and watch a lot of shows now. So thanks for tuning in. As always, let it bleed.